The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, John, again, was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What the beautiful Gospel text that we have read today. Of course, all the Gospel is always beautiful. But today's Gospel seems to be gradually telling us about the Church. It reveals to us the meaning of the Church. The Church. It looks like, like that here we read about a very beginning of the Church. Or maybe not. When did the Church start? You know, different people answer differently. Martin Luther once spoke of Adam and Eve as the first church. And most people consider the day of Pentecost to be the birthday of the church, when the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles and the first parishioners were baptized. Of course, scripture itself does not say exactly when the church began. Some commentators said that the church was born at Easter, when the risen Lord gave the apostles and their successors the power and authority to forgive sins and directed them to go and baptize all nations. And other commentators believe that the church was born on Holy Thursday, when Jesus filled the bread and wine with his mysterious presence and commanded the church to celebrate the salvific Eucharist till the end of the ages. Well, I like this view. 
What would we do without the Eucharist? We would go around the earth in search of salvation and will not find it. And recently we celebrated Christmas when we can also say that the church began. Because the Lord himself was incarnated, he was born to save his people from their sins. This is not speaking about some distant abstract people back then, but it is also about us, about you and me, brothers and sisters. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is how today's Gospel reading begins. And this is just about this very salvation. This is about our Lord who came into this world to save us sinners. The true God, the creator of the universe, was incarnated, limited himself, accepted human flesh, was born and began to live among us. People looked at him. People touched him. They watched how he grew. He walked among them and talked with them. He healed their weaknesses and illnesses. And then he voluntarily ascended to the cross. He became the Lamb of God, being crucified to take away our sins. We should be responsible for our sins, and let's honestly confess that we have a lot of sins. This is what we are aware of and which constantly torments us. There is that which we do not realize, but it is nevertheless also sinful. Each of us has something to be guilty for. We deserve only temporarily and eternal punishment. We cannot be justified in God's judgment. We will not be justified in God's judgment if Christ did not die on the cross in our place. You know, church fathers said, never say that our God is just. If God is just, they said, you are to be burned in hell forever. No, our God is not just. Our God is gracious and merciful. By his grace, God gave to people a wonderful Savior, who came to earth to take away our sins and give us his righteousness. It was the most wonderful exchange in history. Christ took our sins to give us his righteousness. In order to give us his life, he died for us. And after the Lord died for us, he rose from the dead to lead us, to walk with us along the way to the kingdom of heaven to dwell with us, to nourish us in the sacrament of the Eucharist. John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In our Russian order of the liturgy, before to start to give the Holy Communion to the parishioners, the priest shows the chalice and body of Christ to people and says, this is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Blessed are those 
who are called to the supper of the Lamb. And that means, look, here is the same Jesus who came for us men and for our salvation, on whom John the baptizer pointed in the gospel. Now he is here among us to save us. You receive him and he will be with you and in you. The same body and blood that the Lord gave for the sins of the whole world, of all people, is now given personally to each of you for the forgiveness of your sins. Eat and drink of this sacrifice, and you will be saved, because there is not a more salvific meal than the Eucharist, of which the Lord said, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. If we take of Holy Communion, we will not die, but we will live forever with our wonderful Savior. We continue to read our today's Gospel. John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom he said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, uh, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. For each of us, salvation began from holy baptism. Baptism is the entrance door, the door to the kingdom of God. Therefore, you shall not postpone, you must not delay, but every person shall be baptized as soon as possible. And then, we shall teach the baptized that a baptism is not a goal, but a means we are baptized to receive Holy Communion. You know, the Church Fathers spoke in such a way. Why do we preach the Gospel? To lead people to baptism. Why do we baptize? To lead people to Holy Communion. Why do we take Communion? But this question, the Church Fathers said, is not the right question because the Holy Communion is not a means but a goal. A goal, the goal of our Christian life. So, we continue to read today's Gospel. The Lord has given us everything that we need to be saved. In his church we hear his word and receive the sacraments. But let me ask, without what is salvation impossible? Without what the Eucharist is impossible? Without what is the absolution impossible? Or better, I will ask in a different way. Without whom? Without whom are the sacraments impossible? Without priests, of course. So we continue to read. The next day again John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. 
The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Here the first apostles appeared and then later there were twelve of them. The Lord called them to give them authority to forgive sins and to conduct the sacraments. Later they transferred this authority to the next generation, to the first bishops whom the apostles consecrated. And those bishops passed this authority to the next generation of bishops, and so it is continued even till our time. This apostolic succession means that the Church is continuous, that modern priests have the same power to forgive sins which Christ gave to the apostles. This means that the Church is apostolic. At every liturgy we confess that we believe in this one holy and apostolic Church. Let's read the gospel, the today's Gospel more. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Good question. Where does God live? How would you answer this question? Many times I heard even Christians say that God is everywhere. But may I tell you that this answer is correct only in part. God is everywhere, yes. This means that we can't hide from him anywhere. He observes everything, he watches all our sins, and there is nothing that could be hidden from him. But often I hear that God is everywhere as a kind of creed of people who do not want to go to church. Well, okay, if God is everywhere, why should I go to church? I can pray at home. But you know, I highly doubt that those who do not go to church pray at home. They say to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him. Yes, God is everywhere, brothers and sisters, but not everywhere can we find him. Because our God is not an abstraction, he is a real person. Jesus is the incarnated God. He is the eternal word who has become flesh to dwell among us. This is why on Christmas night the shepherds left their hearts and hastened to the place where Jesus was born. This is why later the wise men left their homes and even countries and went hundreds of kilometers to worship the Savior who came to the world. This is why in cold Siberia Christians come to church even at winter, because the church is the house of God, the place where God is staying a place which he authorized so everyone can find him there. God is everywhere, but not everywhere is he present in a salutary way for us. In a salutary way for us, he is present only in the church. Here is a baptismal font from which, together with the Holy Spirit, the water of baptism is poured on our heads. 
Here, after the confession of sins, all sinners receive absolution from the priests. Here you hear God's word full of grace and truth. Here is celebrated the Eucharist, the main mystery of the presence of God on earth. It is impossible to be closer to God than when we receive the Holy Communion near the altar. That is why it is truly good, right, and salutary for all of us, for you and me, for all people to come to the church. One of two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew Simon, Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Thus began the church, and so she continues. And she will always exist. Here the priests will bring new people to Jesus by baptizing them. And here we all will be saved through receiving the Eucharist, which is called by the Church Fathers as the medicine of immortality. If there is no Church, we will have perished long ago. Then we would go around the earth in search of salvation and will not find it. Because there is no salvation outside of the Church. God created and dedicated his church to save us. Come here to be saved. Amen.